Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Four years ago, I was a sophomore in high school. I hadn't yet gotten my license, and this is right around the time I started to partake. Me and one of my friends in the neighborhood, let's call him Kurt, knew of a creek about a mile and a half from my house, which would be a nice smoke spot. But it was a bit of a hike to get there. It was well known that there was a few scattered structures in the woods here, such as a concrete hut, an old barrel fire pit, and a platform built into the trees, all within a few dozen feet of each other. This is all about a quarter mile into the woods, and about a half a mile from any roads. We had been here during the daytime dozens of times before, usually with more friends. We lived in a nice suburban neighborhood, so it didn't seem dangerous to us. Not to mention nobody else had ever been spotted there before. It had become a pretty common smoke spot for kids our age. We all just assumed that it was an old, abandoned, homeless structure, but there were still legends passed around by other high schoolers making claims of something sinister. Hooks for hands? Serial murderers? 
inbred cannibals, typical campfire stories. That type of thing. The concrete hut itself was about seven by seven by five feet, and the ground had been dug out on the inside, making the roof even taller. We had found improvised weapons, food cans, trash, etc. When we first discovered it two years earlier, but nothing of that nature since. Just beer cans, roaches, and cigarette butts scattered around the fire pit from neighborhood kids. The inside was scribbled with Sharpie. The top was covered with a tarp, and the whole thing smelled like piss, so none of us dared to enter. Like I mentioned before, there was also a lookout platform built into a tree about 50 feet away. An improvised ladder made of branches lead to the 5 by 5 platform about 20 feet off the ground. The wood was clearly water damaged, so I had never wanted to actually go up there. Back on track, this particular October evening, Kurt and I left at about 6 p.m., hoping to get there before dark. We had several other smoke spots that were closer to my house, but nothing quite matched the excitement and mystique of the hut. We make our way through the neighborhood, through some backyards into a field, and we finally pass through the tree line. Stones laid out across the creek allowed us to cross without getting wet. Right around the time we got there, the sun was almost fully set, and no light was coming through the trees. This was the first time either of us had been there at night. We hiked the last 500 feet uphill, and we could just barely see the hut through the darkness. The atmosphere had us both uneasy, and we talked with the quietest whisper possible. We didn't want to approach the structure, so we decided to smoke about 50 feet from the hut, right on the edge of the bluff we just climbed. I decided to shift a few feet over to more even footing before we started, and I felt my foot snag on a fishing line running about a foot of the ground tied to the tree next to me. A loud clang was made as the line yanked an empty metal bucket into metal scrap planted in the ground, almost like a makeshift alarm. We hear someone moving down from the platform in the tree, about twenty feet away from us, and dropped into the leaves below. We take off down the bluff, sliding on our asses and hitting trees. We still hear scurrying and grunting behind us. We get to the bottom and sprint through the creek. I trip on the loose rocks below me and fall into the freezing cold water before bolting up and continuing to run. About a second later, we hear splashes behind us. At this point, we clear the tree line and are in a quarter mile of open field. We sprint as fast as we can away. Kurt and I are hurt. Out of breath and the person is clearly catching up. We can hear them right behind us breathing heavily and their loud footsteps growing closer and closer. We sprint through someone's backyard and we hear their dogs start barking. We finally run into the middle of the street and the car slams on their brakes. Kurt and I screech to a halt to avoid the car. We turn around to see somebody standing just outside of the floodlights of a nearby house before they turn around and run away back towards the forest. We apologize to the driver, ditch the weed, and I called my sister to come pick us up. We explained to her what happened, begged her not to tell my parents, and we never returned to that creek again. I'll never forget my time serving in the Coast Guard, especially the eerie moments that reminded me just how mysterious and unpredictable the sea can be. One particular incident stands out vividly in my memory, leaving me with a lingering sense of awe and unease. It was during my watch as helm and lookout, a crucial responsibility while out in a vast expanse of the Bering Sea. 
We were miles away from any signs of civilization, surrounded by an endless stretch of water. As I steered the ship, I suddenly noticed a pronounced blip on the radar behind us. It appeared out of nowhere, catching the attention of the officer of the deck. The officer called up to me, the lookout, to report what I could see. However, due to the ship's superstructure, my field of vision was obstructed directly aft by the exhaust stacks. I strained my eyes, trying to make out any details, and that's when I saw it. A disturbance in the water, a wake trailing behind something. But just as quickly as it appeared, it vanished, disappearing beneath the surface. The radar blip disappeared, too, leaving us with more questions than answers. We could only speculate about what had caused such a phenomenon. The possibility of encountering a sea cryptid like a kraken crossed our minds. The idea sent shivers down my spine, reminding me that even in the middle of the vast ocean, we were not as alone as I had presumed. The unknown depths held secrets that defied our understanding, lurking just below the surface. Another unsettling incident occurred during a mid-watch in the dead of night. The darkness enveloped the ship in a thick fog, blanketed the calm seas, obscuring our vision. I handed over my post as the lookout to another crew member, and as he relieved me, he casually remarked, Man, sure is spooky out there. From that moment on, I couldn't shake off the feeling of being watched. Every time our foghorn sounded, its echoing blast amplified by the fog, I couldn't help but jump, my heart racing. The tranquil atmosphere, combined with the thick curtain of fog that swallowed everything beyond our navigation lights, heightened my senses and stirred my imagination. Despite knowing we were completely alone, the silence and isolation played tricks on my mind. Adding to the eerie ambience was the fact that I was serving on the Coast Guard's oldest ship, a vessel with a rich history and numerous ghost stories circulating among the crew. These tales, whispered in the dark corners of the ship, further fueled my imagination and intensified the sense of the unknown. This incident occurred in western Idaho. This account comes from a very close family friend of my grandpa. His name is Neil. He's the kind of person that wouldn't lie about something like this, and I honestly believe his story. This story was told while I was on a hunting trip with my grandpa, father, a few of my uncles, Neil, and one or two other people. I don't know exactly how the conversation led to talking about strange and unknown things seen in the wild, but here we were. This was a few years ago, so forgive me if I've forgotten some details. Neil's story. A few years back, he described it to be about the early 1990s, and one of my friends had gotten permission to go and hunt jackrabbits on another one of my friend's properties out in a very remote part of western Idaho. I can't remember exactly where, but they had come an hour or two from the wiser area in. The property was out in the middle of the desert, quite far from any small town or city. We entered on the north side of the property over a cattle guard and through a gate. The property was kind of in a valley and was divided into a very large flat plain, mostly on one half, and then on the other was a very large hill that spanned the length of the private land. It had an elevation of probably 200 to 300 feet, give or take. That night we had been working the flatter part of the land with a spotlight on my truck and flashlights in hand shooting the rabbits. 
It was a clear night, and the moon was probably three-fourths full, so it was relatively easy to see some elements of the property by the moonlight. We started a little after dusk, and by this time it was about midnight, and were about two-thirds down the length of the property when we heard this unhuman, blood-curdling scream come from the eastern side of where the hill ran. I looked at my friend, and we both froze. We were at the truck using the spotlight looking for rabbits when it happened. We were probably 200 to 300 yards from the base of the hill, so the top of the hill was probably another 100 yards or so from the base to the top. As I started to scan the hillside with my scope, the creature screamed again. I then followed the sound and saw a tall, lanky humanoid figure standing with the upper half of its body silhouetted against the sky at the top of the hill. I had fired a shot toward it from my 22 caliber knowing it wouldn't make it to the creature. But I wanted to try and get it to move up and over the hill so I could get a better look at it. But instead, this thing started to move down the hill toward us. Right after that, happened booked it to the closest side of the property, found a gate, shot the lock off, and drove away from there as fast as we could. To this day, I still don't know what I saw, but it scared the daylights out of me. So there's Neil's story to the best of my recollection. I would love to hear what y'all think, Skinwalker. Wendigo, let me know. My dad's found deer corpses totally shredded on his 17 acres in Indiana. Once or twice we've found the skulls, antlers, and skin and hooves left in a pile, but no bones or meat. Our dogs used to play with the random, empty corpses. Sometimes a blood trail just ends out of nowhere in the middle of a clearing, or a deer will jump past a tree in sight and just disappear. Doesn't show up on the other side of the tree. My dad was worried for a long time that his crazy neighbors were hunting on his land, but he hasn't found any other evidence. Also, my brother and I once went into a state park we lived in here in Ohio. Like ten, fifteen minutes into the woods, we realized the floor of the forest was crunching beneath our feet. There were thousands and thousands of small animal skeletons, mice and squirrels and moles, and even a couple coons and possums, their bones just scattered in a layer on the ground. We also found a large, circular, sunken-down concrete thing in a pit that was surrounded by rusty barbed wire fencing with a sign that said, United States Government Property, do not trespass under penalty of law. There's some weird-ass shit in the woods around here. I am Joe, a skilled and seasoned hunter, deeply connected to the untamed wilderness. Today, I embark on a routine hunting expedition in the heart of a vast and remote forest. As I navigate the dense undergrowth, an eerie aura envelops the air, marked by strange footprints and unsettling sounds. Ignoring these signs, I press forward, dismissing them as unfamiliar oddities. As the sun sets, casting elongated shadows, the forest undergoes a transformative shift. Among the trees, I glimpse a massive, dark figure, stirring a mix of curiosity and trepidation within me. Compelled by an unseen force, I resolve to follow this mysterious being, craving its enigmatic secrets. Drawing closer, my heart pounds, echoing the wild rhythm. The creature before me defies comprehension, pale human, like hands with sharp claws, shimmering glass, like skin coated in a mysterious liquid. 
Its terrifying visage features milky white skin and piercing eyes, pulsating with blue-tinged veins. A serpentine tongue dances through the air, while its antlers, black as the abyss, exude an aura of malevolence. This seven to eight foot tall creature is an eerie fusion of human and beast. Compelled by fear and fascination, I attempt to keep pace, but it swiftly disappears into the depths of the woods, leaving me awestruck and bewildered. Contemplating this extraordinary encounter, I question the boundaries of our ordinary world. Grandparents were born in Mexico, late twenties and early thirties, and this story takes place in the mid-forties. They had moved into a super small town in mountains of Jalisco. I've been to it once when I was smaller, and it was fairly beautiful, and everyone there was super nice, except for when you mention who they call the Senora. Basically, the story as my grandmother tells it is that she and my grandpa had been living there for about two-third months and had begun to get familiarized with how the town functioned. Time everyone gets up, goes to sleep, etc. The town was fairly normal, except for the fact that at night, no one went outside. One night, they decided to go to a newly made friend's house on the other side of the town. After staying late into the night, they decided it was best for them to walk back to their house. Their friend advised them that it would be best if they just stay the night because he didn't want them to be scared if they came across something to which they asked what exactly it was he was talking about. Basically, the town is haunted by a woman dressed in black Victorian-esque clothing that is usually spotted around the center plaza during the dead of night. The locals have no actual name for her other than La Senora, or whatever random name they call her in order to try and quell their fears and downplay her existence. Despite the friends' requests to have them spend the night there, they were not superstitious at all at the time, so they shrugged off the requests. They decided to walk back, as it wouldn't take them more than ten minutes to reach their house. They left the friend's house around three and began making their walk back to their house when they saw her. A woman dressed in all black standing near a lamp post in the town plaza. My grandma remembers the air becoming fairly cold and a sense of despair filling every inch of her being as they got closer and closer to this thing. My grandpa proceeded to grab tight of my grandma as they got within eight feet of the woman. Roads in the town are extremely narrow, so you don't have much room to go around people. My grandma went on to tell me how the lady wasn't actually standing on the ground, but rather floating a few inches off the ground. Her face was fairly hard to make out at first, but as they passed her and got within an arm's reach, her face became clear as day. It was pale, expressionless, and looked as if she had been drowned, but the scariest part of it all was that her eyes were just empty black sockets. My grandparents quickly put it into high gear and ran to their house, but not without taking a look back to see where the lady had gone. To their surprise, she had disappeared cliché as hell, but that's what they say happened in the story. The next day they saw their friend and told them what happened, to which he instructed them to never speak of it again. My grandparents had told this story to us about ten times or so before their deaths, and each time they told it they began crying, so I'm more inclined to believe their story more than I would anybody else's for the simple fact that at 88 and 75 years old, they would still cry in fear. I live in the Boxford, Topsfield area. 
There have been several sightings here. They have fascinated me for years, but recently, several events happened that made these events more of an urgent matter. To start, sightings of potential dogmen in the area go back years. I first heard of them on a camp out with my Cub Scout troop. Every summer, we had a one-night camp out at a campsite in the woods behind Boy Scout Park. I was a senior Webelow at the time, so I was one of the older kids on the camp out. Everything went well until it was dark. Some of the boys decided to play a game of manhunt, which is like hide and seek. I was one of the seekers, and we found all but three people within thirty minutes. At this point, practically everyone was looking for the remaining players. Most games of manhunt usually go like this. Everyone but the good hiders are found quickly, and the remainder of the game is spent looking for the final players. I was searching with a group of three other boys. We were checking some of the more obscure trails when we heard screaming. A kid who was about a year younger than me came running out of the woods. He was in hysterics, and we took him to the counselors at the campsite. Once they calmed the kid down, he said that he saw a werewolf in the woods where he was hiding. Obviously, the counselors didn't believe him, but they sent us all to our tents. I think they were worried that the kid saw a coyote. There have been several odd events since then, and this has caused the story to move from a playground rumor to a local legend. I think it's worth mentioning that most of these sightings came from kids. Once I started seventh grade, conversation about the events died down, and I mostly forgot about them. Oddly enough, there was one kid who claimed to see the creature until eighth or ninth grade when I fell out of contact with him. He loved the outdoors and was super energetic. For a while, the creature was all he'd ever talk about. He'd go on and on about seeing it in the woods while hiking or camping. I used to think he was trying to play a trick on us, but now I'm not so sure. Recently, something happened that dragged these memories back to the forefront of my mind. My ten-year-old brother saw something around a week ago. My family and I live in a house that is right next to a large area of forest. My brother doesn't go into the woods often, but he loves to play in the yard. One evening, he came in earlier than usual. He was out of breath and seemed scared. I asked him what was wrong, and he said that he saw a monster. I assumed that he saw an animal of some sort, so I asked him how big it was. He pointed to a spot on the wall that was around eight feet up. I asked him to describe the creature he saw. He said the creature was covered in black fur, had a tail, had a head that looked like a dog's and massive claws. He told me that he was playing on our tire swing when he started to feel uneasy for no apparent reason. He then saw this creature right on the edge of the woods surrounding our yard. It didn't chase him or anything, it just looked at him. The moment my brother saw it, he ran inside. My blood ran cold and I told him to go talk to my mom. She thinks he saw an animal and isn't letting him play outside past five anymore. At this point, I was pretty scared for my brother. I spent the next day researching what he saw and came across stories about dogmen. Later that night, I was considering reaching out to ask people what they thought about whatever is going on in Boxford. When I heard howling outside my window, I immediately grabbed my phone and was able to record them. I'll attach the video. You can't see anything, but you can hear the howls clearly. The part of this that is really unnerving to me is the fact that all these sightings are coming from kids. There haven't been any attacks that I know of. 
I was still trying to rationalize the events at this point until my brother came home from school one day, saying that his friend saw the creature, too. This absolutely terrified me, and I reached out for help on Reddit. I was hoping I could get some answers on why the creature here is targeting kids and whether it's a serious risk or not. I've read some pretty disturbing stories about Dogman, and was wondering what I should do. This happened Thursday night of February 16, 202. So I recently got probation for 18 months. So I decided to smoke out my lungs. My setting was in my backyard. I'm around trees. I sat down thinking nothing while facetiming my girl. I smoked about two gram blunts going on to the third as I'm smoking my third blunt halfway blunt. My tuxedo cat came to me out of nowhere. He usually knows when I'm outside smoking. He's my cat since I was a kid. He meowed a couple of times and started circling around me like if he's doing some type of circle protection. While he's doing this, we hear noises coming from the woods, sounded like mice or rats or possum. I didn't think much about it. I just started smoking and staring at the stars, saying to myself in my mind, whatever comes out of those woods, I'll just scare it off. Thirty seconds later, this horrible, scary sound of like scratching down a tree. Like uh, imagine a werewolf with his claws scratching a tree. The sound that will produce. My body and eyesight got different because I was in a state of shock. No knowing what was that sound, because I never ever heard it in my life, to identify what it is. So as soon as I heard that, I looked up and just my cat running towards where the sound came from. And he just sat down in front of a tree. I, staring at him, my eyesight was different. It was gloomy, like if it was a acid trip. My cat came back to me and started meowing, so I took that as a get the F off day here. So I did walk fast to my front yard. I never could have imagined the horrors that awaited me when I unknowingly accepted that mysterious cargo. As a trucker, I was accustomed to long hours on desolate roads, but nothing could have prepared me for the eerie journey that lay ahead. It started innocently enough. I received a last-minute request to transport an unusual shipment. The details were sparse, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Little did I know that decision would plunge me into a world of inexplicable terror. As I drove through those desolate roads, a sense of unease settled over me. Strange and unsettling occurrences began to unfold, casting an ominous shadow over my every move. But it was a sighting on that desolate highway that would forever etch itself into my memory. Out of nowhere, I saw it. A creature unlike anything I had ever encountered. Its presence alone sent chills cascading down my spine. The creature crossed the highway with an eerie grace, its pale, human-like hand reaching out before me. I couldn't tear my eyes away from the sight. Large claws adorned its hand, glinting in the dim light, while its skin had a peculiar glass-like quality, glistening with a clear liquid. As my gaze lifted to its face, I was met with a sight that will haunt me until my dying breath. The creature had a large, terrifying face with milky white skin, and its eyes were a chilling sight to behold. Blue veins pulsed beneath them, like icy rivers coursing through its visage. Its tongue, long and serpent-like, writhed and wriggled, the only part of it that seemed to move apart from the rustling trees in the wind.
Antlers, black as if covered in mold, sprouted from its head, adding to its ominous and unnerving presence. It stood tall, towering above me, a massive deer-like humanoid that must have been seven to eight feet tall. In that moment, time seemed to slow as I absorbed the sheer terror of what lay before me. Instinctively, I slammed on the brakes, my heart pounding in my chest. I couldn't fathom the reality of what I was witnessing. The creature passed by, unaware of my presence, as if I were nothing more than a mere speck in its world. I was in awe, unable to believe what my eyes had just beheld. Frantically, I searched for a camera, eager to capture evidence of this unearthly encounter. But my hopes were dashed as I discovered the camera's battery was drained, leaving me empty, handed. Disappointment mingled with lingering fear, as if the world conspired against me, erasing any tangible proof of what I had experienced. As I resumed my journey, the weight of, weight of what I had seen weighed heavily upon me. Questions raced through my mind, gnawing at my sanity. What was that creature? How could something so grotesque exist in our world? Doubt and disbelief clawed at the edges of my consciousness, but I knew deep down that what I had witnessed was real. I don't know if this counts as seclusion, but on my last deployment in Iraq, I was doing tons of night guard shifts. The FOBI was operating on had these old bunkers with large steel doors that were completely chained up. They would only open about an inch. One long night was creeping by, and I could have sworn I heard screaming like a female screaming. When I got near the bunker door, I could hear the screaming grow louder. It sounded like it was deep in the bunker. I tried to get inside, but there was no possible way. Then the screaming stopped. I reported it to 9N, but they said it was sealed off. I can still hear the scream. Growing up, I lived in northern New Mexico in the mountains. When I was little, I didn't have much concept of the dangers of wild animals. There was one day I was in our front yard and I was playing by myself when my mom came out and called me inside. She was kind of panicky and weird. Turns out there was a black bear not 20 feet from me and I was totally oblivious. Another time, not long after that, we went on a walk down the gravel road by our house. Our neighbor's dog came with us because he was a good boy. We got about a quarter of a mile down the road, and the road got narrow, and the woods sort of crept up really close and were dense. My mom was pushing a double stroller with my siblings in it. All of a sudden, the dog starts acting really weird, growling and pushing my mom back towards our house. So she thought it was really weird, and we turned around. We heard later that day that there was a mountain lion sighting right around where we were. I bet little five-year-old me looked like a pretty tasty treat. A couple of years ago, my partner and I had freshly moved into a shared rental where I'd be closer to work. At the time, I didn't have my license, so my partner would take me every Friday to work at the local country veterinary clinic. On said five-minute trips back and forth to work on Friday mornings and evenings, we had spotted an abandoned farmhouse located next to the local abattoir, packed to the irrigation channel at the end of the driveway with large trees and shrubs obviously been abandoned for a long time, for 
established trees to have barricaded the only entrance. One of our favorite things to do was to adventure into the abandoned, so one of the following nights we decided to drag along a housemate to check it out with us. Visit number one to get to this house, we had to cross the, at the time flooded, irrigation channel in the neighboring swampy paddock. After lots of walking through slop, hiding from passing cars and a back to our workmen, we finally managed to scale across another channel to be in the yard of said abandoned house. Before entering the house itself, we checked out the shed, full of 70s era furniture and garbage, really, and an old school book belonging to a teenager from many years ago, with pictures of Brendan Fraser, plastered all over the back and front cover. You. We entered the house and discovered it was abandoned as its construction contained asbestos. Nothing happened that night, and we set off back home to have that much-needed shower. Visit number two after a few months, we decided to take another friend to come see this creepy house, this time hoping to stay longer to really get to know this place. All the same process of entering, and this time we went straight to the front door. My partner stood on the front step, reached for the handle, then we heard hurried footsteps, humanoid stride, starting at the end closest to us to the far side of the house. We all paused and looked at each other, sort of freaking out. My partner insisted that we continue the adventure, so he opened the door. The first thing we noticed was that the closet in the entrance was open, when it wasn't last time, and the second thing we noticed, although this time was closer to summer, the house got very cold. After inspecting the cupboard, I then closed it. Before we made ourselves comfortable, we checked every room to make sure no one was there, checked every cupboard and hideaway. Once we established there was no squatters or humans other than ourselves in the house, we decided to do the old dreaded circle thing to talk to what we thought may be a ghost. We made a circle in the kitchen of the house. Me, my partner, and my very hard-to-scare female friend who seemed to be enjoying all this. My partner and friend were too shy to speak out, so I started by asking, is anyone there? No reply. I then proceeded to blabber on saying things like, we won't hurt you. We just want to know if you're here, and we promise we won't take anything. After a while of no response, apart from growing amounts of cold, I gave up in my mind, but before I could say I give up, the cupboard in the front entrance, which was behind me, started to creak open. I first thought, yeah, we touched that though, could just be a loose door, but as I turned around, those same hurried footsteps rushed from behind me to out the front of the house. No one was there. Just empty footsteps. Of course, my reaction was, This is messed up. Let's go home now. And we rushed home pretty quick that time. We have since been to visit the house to show another friend, but it was clear the house had been disturbed by squatters, so there was no paranormal that night, just the usual marks of the degenerate society in an abandoned house.